Welcome to the Banff Spy podcast. We have a real treat for you today. I'm about to talk to our very own Iona Reed, who, among other things, is an actor. Iona, who is based in Turriff in the northeast of Scotland, is in the early stages of her acting career, and she's going to talk to us today about acting training. And so, if you are at all interested in becoming an actor, please stay tuned. During the podcast, Iona mentions the drama school she attended, and for more details of those schools, please go to our companion website at bamfspy.com. Bamfspy.com. Now let's talk to Iona. Iona Reed, when did you decide you wanted to be an actor? Um, so for me, the, I grew up watching my brother act. Uh, so there's like a seven year age gap between us. So I grew up watching him act, being in plays and stuff. And I think in turn that inspired me to do plays and go down the acting route as well. Um, for many years, like even up into like up till the academy, I dabbled with the idea of be, like becoming an actor professionally, like pursuing it as a career. Um, obviously, I think it's natural for everyone who wants to be an actor. You go through those moments of doubt, like, is this what I want? All that kind of stuff. Because you're signing up to a very tough industry. So work will be few and far between at the beginning. But I think for me, it was when I went to college that I kind of finalized the idea that I'd like to be an actor. So I was about 18, 19 years old. So, yeah, I think ever since then, I've been sure that that's what I've wanted to be. Did you appear in school plays? Oh, yeah, I did school plays ever since I was little. Uh, so, like, even in, like, primary one and stuff, when we did the nativity plays at Christmas, um, I always made sure that I was involved somehow. And towards the later years, like, primary five, six, seven, I was getting main parts. And then my brother, having gone to my academy before me, he had a very good relationship with our drama teacher, so she knew me. And she just kept casting me as one of the main characters, and it's I've just done it every year since. Which acting course did you choose, and at which drama school? Uh, so for me, I went to multiple places. So after Turf Academy, where I did higher drama, I went to Nesco in Aberdeen and did a HND in drama. So that's like a two-year course. And then I started auditioning to the Big Boys down in London. Uh, I also tried to keep it home as well with auditioning in Edinburgh and Glasgow. But unfortunately, didn't get into them. I was only ever accepted to schools in London. So I then did my foundation year at Italia Conti. And then when I was auditioning for my bachelor's, I got into Cogan Academy, which is the science, like the school of the science of acting. So it takes a much more theoretical approach. So there's a lot of theory. It goes into like psychology, learning how people think. And then due to financial reasons with that school. My final year for my bachelor's was at Kingston University in southwest London. So I've been here, there and everywhere, actually. So I've gotten a little bit of like traditional drama training, modern drama training and academic drama training as well. So I've had the best of all the worlds. So in total, then, how long did you spend at the drama schools? Uh, so the drama schools down in London, it was four years. So your foundation was one year course. And then a bachelor's is traditionally three years. You can go on to do an MA as well, which is another one year course. And also so my like two years at college. So technically in total, I've spent six years training 
but professionally drama school training four years. That's a long time. Um, so for those people who don't know, uh, what sort of thing would you study at drama school, you know, on, a, on an average day? So your timetable, if you're at traditional drama schools, you're in five days a week from about half past eight to half past five. And then you'll have like rehearsals and plays and that out with those hours. So it's very jam packed, long days. So traditionally, you'd cover classes like movement. So that is like your physical theater, that is dancing. And within dancing, you have about three or four different styles so that would go over your classics like ballet and ballroom. You could go over hip hop, tap. They try to train you up in multiple dance styles so that you're well equipped for when you get out there. You also have voice classes. So you can have traditional Shakespeare voice classes. You can have accent classes and just like learning how to vocalize in general. So like if you have speech impediments, they help you work with that. You have classes which could be like contextual studies. So that's like learning about the industry and like what to do out with. So like how to set up your own acting companies, theater companies, how to budget, all that kind of stuff, raise funds. You have obviously your traditional acting for stage, acting for screen. There's many, many modules. I'm just uh, brushing the surface because obviously each term you can have specific classes. Um, so you end up covering, I'd say, 30 different subjects in your training for sure, easily. So it's, it's full time for four, possibly five years. Yes, if you wanted to go that long, yeah. And that's before you even start working. Yeah, yeah. Talking about accent training, can you give me an American accent? Oh, America, the American one, <laughs> that's one I'm still working on. Um, so like at my drama school, we focus mainly on RP. So that's like the uh, received pronunciation for English. Oh, well, give me an English we... one then. <laughs> give me your Downton, your best Downton Abbey. Um, what could I say? Now, Richard, what on earth are you doing there? Oh, very impressive. Very impressive. <laughs> so you've already sort of partially an answered this question, but can you train to be a stage actor or a TV or film actor or, or do you do all of them? So when it comes to acting, I like to think of it as the skills are very transferable between because when you think about stage acting, it's very... Sometimes you get very naturalistic stage acting, which is great. It's fantastic. I'm more geared towards natural acting. But when it comes to like pantomimes, etc., it's exactly the same skills. But oh, it's no, it isn't. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Um, so I'd like to think the training you get, regardless where you go, is um, transferable to different areas. Obviously, it depends on like what kind of person and natural style you um, gravitate towards. But yeah, from what I've learned anyway from drama schools, can be used in both. Because obviously you get taught the specifics for theatre acting, stage acting, screen acting. So yeah. You definitely, you definitely be able to walk away with training for both. Oh, that's very good. Is drama school just for actors, or are there courses for backstage people, people like directors, theatre technicians, sound engineers, and so on? That's a good question, actually. Um, so at my drama school, where I did my bachelor's, not Telecon A Kogan Academy, they doubled up and they had an acting course and a directing course. So you started off doing the first year of acting, and then when you started your second year, you had the option to pick up the. Uh, director module as well so some schools will branch out into these other uh, categories like areas of employment but I think traditionally the drama schools focus more on the acting and you get a module for directing and then you get a module for like sound engineering all this kind of stuff so you can tap into it but if you're wanting like courses that gear more towards that that's where I think the academic side so your universities would cover those branches a lot more than drama schools because they are traditionally acting, yeah. So can you see yourself becoming a director one day? 
For sure, definitely. It's something that I've dabbled in. I write scripts in my spare time as well. Um, so obviously I've got a clear picture of how I envisioned that script. And I think if you're a good actor, you'll know how to self-direct. And if you know how to self-direct, you know how to direct others. So I think acting and directing come very on par if you're in tune with like what you're looking for and how to get the result out of someone, you could very easily become a director for sure. And what was the most enjoyable part of being at drama school for you? The most enjoyable part? I'm not like, it's obviously the plays are amazing. Like when you get on stage and when you've put in all this work and then it just comes together, it's an amazing feeling. But I genuinely think the best part for me is like the family you end up creating. It sounds cliche and cheesy, I know, but like, when you're at a drama school, you're with these people 24-7. You maybe even potentially live with them as well in your student accommodation and stuff. So it becomes like this just big, happy family. So you want it to run smoothly. And when it does, it's just like this constant feeling of belonging and that you're in a safe environment, that nothing bad is going to happen. Like Even if you make a mistake, everyone's just going to laugh. You're going to brush it off. It'll be fine. Like Everyone's got your back. And I think that's the part I enjoyed most, I think, is just like, having that group of people you know you can rely on good good and since um since leaving drama school what have you been doing in acting terms uh so uh, <laughs> i finished my last year and covid hit so the industry kind of ground to a halt at that point so like there was things i was signed up for like some short films music videos like that that have been put on hold obviously due to covid because we wouldn't be able to film it safely uh, and to covid standards so we're just waiting for it to like pass. I think that's like a lot as well because like all the jobs stopped. Theaters completely come to a halt as well because you can't. You could probably put on the play and stream it. That's fine, but like in terms of having an audience come in and watch your play, that's not going to happen for a long time. Nor would it be profitable for theaters to do that because in order for theaters to make enough money to continue, they actually most of the time actually need to sell out their plays because they work on a play by play budget. So whatever money comes in from the play that's made on top, that's the money they keep and then they spend for the next play to get them booked and rent out their space and stuff. So even like with TV and stuff as well, that's come to like a halt. There's an occasional job, but then because every actor under the sun right now is trying to get a job, you're going up against a lot more people than you may have before COVID. So unfortunately at the moment, I've branched more into teaching uh, just to get income at the moment. Um, What's your favorite kind of acting? What do you enjoy most? In terms of like immediate payoff theatre, because you get the like you get feedback straight from the audience. But I think out of the two of them, if I had to pick one, I would definitely go more towards film and TV, just because naturally I gravitate towards more natural, realistic acting than stylized over the top for theatre. And I like the way it works because it's more, it's a lot more. It has to be efficient with its time because like with film and TV, every second, every minute is costing a lot of money. Not that theatre doesn't either, but with theatre you've got weeks of rehearsals, then you put the play on and then it could travel. Whereas with the TV, it's like you get the script, you go home, you learn it. You come in, you get like maybe a couple of runs with the actor to do the scene and then you talk to the director, you um, block it, make sure you pick up those notes really quickly. So it's a quicker turnaround with film and TV, so therefore I find it a little bit more challenging. And it's quite it when you when you arrive on there and you start acting with the other actor and you bounce off each other, it just transforms the scene as well. 
So it's not like you've rehearsed it like a hundred times, you know exactly how the scene's going to go. It can catch you off guard. And then that's when moments of spontaneity happens for actors. And that's when beautiful moments happen. Uh, you uh, so blocking. Blocking. That's when that? you work with the director to like figure out where to stand, all this kind of stuff. They walk you through the whole scene. So it's like there's that specific moments he needs you to do something or she. Then you talk that, you mark it through, and then you run it with that. So it's just like you're blocking your directions, all that kind of stuff, just making sure you know where it is, pinning it down. So you might stand up and walk towards the mantelpiece or something, and that's all part of the blocking process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with film and TV, it's easier to do the blocking, though, because obviously there's different shots, multiple takes, different angles. Um, so it's easier if you do forget your block and they can stop and then obviously change angles and then pick it up sort of thing. Whereas if you forget your blocking in a theatre play, it has a little bit more of an impact. <laughs> you get lost. Yeah. <laughs> now, you mentioned uh, it's difficult to find work as an actor right now because of the pandemic. But generally, when we don't have a pandemic, how difficult is it to find work as an actor? Obviously, it's a very, very competitive industry, which is why wherever I go when I'm teaching students these days, I'm just like, be supportive, be caring, be kind, because uh, there's a lot of like, I mean, most people in the industry are very supporting and understanding, thankfully, but you do get the odd one that won't necessarily be so nice. It, it was, it's hard. So I remember reading a statistic when I was younger, well, it was a couple of years ago, which was saying you're more statistically likely to become an astronaut than you are to become an actor. Now, obviously, that's very subjective because I think that means being an actor like Leonardo DiCaprio or Tom, Tom Hardy, the big leagues kind of actors. Um, but it's down to the individual person and what you define as being an actor because you could just be doing local plays. And if you're enjoying that, you're an actor. I mean, you can be an actor and not actually get paid for it if you're just doing it like there's community work or there's uh, applied theatre, which is like going to schools and teaching them and stuff like that. So it really just depends on your definition of what an actor is and then what you deem a successful actor, if that makes sense. But um, the work, you're still going up for like paid work. You'll be going up against hundreds, if not a lot of hundreds of people for the same job. And it's so specific. It could be like, you've got a freckle there or a mole there that we don't want. There's someone who looks just like you with blue eyes, with green eyes, with brown eyes. You're an inch too tall, inch too short, whatever the reason is. There, there's so many actors these days that it couldn't even, it's sometimes not even just down to your skill. It's just down to how you look and you're not exactly the right look for the character. So there's many factors to why you may or may not get work as well. So you may have to suffer rejection from time to time. Oh, the majority of the time. There uh, was something else we were told at drama school. There's like, it's only ever about 5% of the industry that's hired at once and it's never the same 5%. So it's, it's a very small percentage that are actually in work constantly, which is why you have to look elsewhere as well. So you have to be a brave soul to go into the world of acting. Oh, definitely, definitely. Or very lucky, or both. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um... Is it more difficult for female actors to find work? Um, now, if I remember correctly, don't quote me on this, but the, uh, the majority of acting parts that speak like considerably, like a considerable amount, are male. Um, so statistically, there are less female parts, but also there's, if I remember correctly, more female actors than there are males. And that's shown at drama schools as well, because your ratio at drama schools, even though when they take the years in, they try to keep it as 50-50 as possible, you do traditionally have more female students than you do male. And I think that's just the nature of the business. Even in the classes I teach now, you've got like two to three like boys to girls. 
So the ratio is like two thirds to a third, I'd say, is quite a safe ratio. So naturally, you're going up against more people as a female. But that is starting to change. Like the industry is starting to gear more towards equal representation, not just like in genders, in terms of diversity and representing the smaller groups. So like people that are maybe disabled or all these kind of things. It's, it's slowly changing and that's nice. That's what we like to see because we want equal representation no matter what for everyone. So they feel welcomed and accepted and that they have a fair chance as well because they should. Well, on that subject, what advice would you give to anybody, any young man, young woman, uh, young girl, boy, who would like to become an actor? What advice would you give to them? My first one would be don't give up. Because going through it myself, like with drama school, it can get very physically draining, very mentally draining. There are some very challenging days ahead of you if you're going to go down that road. But it's worth it in the end, in my opinion. You've just got to persevere, stay strong, believe in yourself. Even if other people stop believing in you, please always do believe in yourself. That is very important. And just remember you're doing it because you love it. You will have tough days. There will be days where the director tells you again and again, you're not doing it right. That happens. And the best thing to do for that is just let that go. Because it could be, there's 101 things that the director could be saying that for. And it could just be, they're having a bad day. They've just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. They're being a bit grouchy. There's many, many factors. And yeah, like it it can be tough, but the payoff you get from it is amazing. And just continue to believe in yourself. I think that's the, the main thing, yeah. So if you had a choice, what sort of acting would you do in the future when we're through this terrible pandemic? Ooh. I, Hollywood. <laughs> I wish. Um, obviously, like, the higher up, the better. But, like, you've got... The, the thing is with acting as well. You've got, an or, you've got to make a name for yourself as well. So that's a case of starting off small. So that could be, like, short films, all these kind of things, entering film projects getting an agent, all this kind of stuff helps. And then, of course, um, Spotlight is the best online website to get jobs by because they, they're, like, the most professional. So they get the big the big leagues. So you get, like, BBC, all the film people, all that kind of stuff comes in through Spotlight. So that's spotlight.com or .co? I think it's spotlight.com. It could be .co.uk. I just type in Spotlight every time. That, that takes up. Yeah. And so, like, in order to get on Spotlight, Traditionally, you need like your bachelors, but if you've done professional drama training and you email them, they've become quite accepting to shorter courses or like non-certified courses as long as they know of the school. They tend to let you sign up to Spotlight now because it used to be you needed to either have professional drama training or you needed to have three paid credits, which was like it couldn't be like short films, etc. It had to be like, you know, feature films or like proper plays put on a theatre, all this kind of stuff. So Spotlight's changing as well and becoming more accepting, which is good. Do, do, do you still need to have an equity card? Is that something actors still need to have? Ooh, I don't think so. Like, obviously, when I was at drama school, we had talks with equity and stuff. And no matter what, even if you're not signed up with equity, if you contact them about certain things that you don't think is quite right, like if you're not getting paid the right amount or like your needs aren't being met, then they'll fight your corner regardless whether you're signed up with them. It's always worthwhile being signed up with them. Uh, they copyright your stage name as well, I think. And uh, But no, but I don't think you do need that anymore. So they're, they're more of an actor's union. They're protecting actors. That's uh, really important. They're, they're referred to as the union, yeah. 
Uh, now, you're teaching drama to young children at the moment. Uh, what, what, what's happening there? Uh, okay, so I I just randomly during lockdown decided, let's just email all the drama schools and just offer my services if they ever need me to cover classes, etc. So I'm currently teaching acting and dancing up at Performers UK in Inverness. I've just started teaching drama at Keith, uh, so Stage Stars, and potentially be branching out to dancing with them as well. I've done some work with Aberdeen Art Centre and then hopefully going to be back doing more work with them after Christmas, fingers crossed, like COVID depending, like allowing. Um, so they want to get a show up and going. It'd probably be like snippets, but uh, instead of like a full length play, but something for the kids as well, just to get them out, get them like focused on something, let them have fun. So yeah, it was just, um, I just decided why not? Because there's not, like you said, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I just emailed them and it actually came back very positive as well. Like I was surprised with how much people were like, yeah, that'd be cool. All that kind of stuff. Get you in, like do a trial, see how it works and then take it from there. So yeah, um, to other people as well, I'd say recommend doing that. Just get in contact, even with just like little local theater groups. You never know. Like if someone just calls in sick, then that person thinks about you and just be like, hey, let's give them a shot, take them in, get them teaching. You never know. Now, now, which well-known actors inspire you or have inspired you in the past? Okay. So my two that I always go to that I think are phenomenal but underrated um, is Ian Summerholder. So he was he came into like the main spotlight with Vampire Diaries. So I grew up through my teens watching that. But it was just the moments he had, like when I was watching him, there was never a moment I thought where he doesn't know what he's thinking or he's lost context of the character. So that's one reason I think he is a phenomenal actor, because I've never had that moment of doubt with him. So that's like my favorite male actor that's like underrated. And then <laughs> maybe like a cliche choice, because she's very popular and up and coming at the moment, is Amelia Clark. So she is my favorite female actor. Um, so she was from Game of Thrones. She was Daenerys. And she's had a few movies out since. And... Yeah, she's just, they're both very flexible in terms of their roles, so they can play loads of different characters, which is what I define as a good actor, because if you're typecasted and only can act a certain character, to me, that shows you're a limited actor. You can, if you can only play the villain, you've got a question, why? Why can't you ever play the nice character? And that could be down to, like, cast typing, so, like, when the casting people look at you, you've just got more naturally, like, a villain look instead of, you know, the romantic lead protagonist whatever but if you can act a diverse range of characters so like the villain the good guy the comedian the serious character all of that that's what i define as a good actor that is well versed in playing multiple roles Uh, you know i've always been a big fan of clark gable who's been dead for a long 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 time so if you had to pick one actor throughout history who you really like who would it be Ooh, an act. Okay. That's that's a tough one. Because, like, my knowledge of acting <laughs> starts kind of, like, in the late 70s. Because, like, that's when I, like, started watching some films. And then, obviously, the closer we get to, like, today's day, there's more and more actors that I can think of. My favourite one of all time. If I could have someone's career, if I phrase it like that it's instead, I'd probably stop, go Leo. I can, I can, like, pull, I can pause this. I can pause just, this. Uh, like gender aside he's had amazing like 
ever since he like took off he's had all kinds of roles and he finally finally eventually got his oscar as well after it being memed for years he deserved it like back in 19 oak cake i just think he's done he's done very well for himself um either that or i'd, I'd yoink amelia clark's character uh, like career because she she played daenerys which was like a dream role that would have been the perfect role which role was that sorry uh, Daenerys from Game of Thrones, so it's very relative. It's very new, but that like kickstarted her career, and thankfully before COVID locked down the country, I actually got to see her put on her performance of Seagull uh, in London, which was her debut to the West End, which unfortunately had to be cut short because of COVID. It was like two days it started. We saw one of them, and then <laughs> Boris was like, "Let's lock down the country." So then it stopped. Which well-known actor would you like to work with now? You know, I would probably, I'd probably pick James McAvoy. A good Scottish boy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like that whole Scottish belonging, isn't it? But I think, yeah, he's another, uh, I think, actor that tends to get overlooked as well because when he, I watched his performance in Split, so that's like where he plays a character that has like multiple personalities. It was just phenomenal. He he very distinctively created these different characters and i think i just learned a lot from him he's also very good at accents as well so maybe i could learn an american accent off of him and uh, okay, if you could choose so I think, a yeah, film I'd, you I'd would keep have it, liked to have been in, and probably which film would it be and why Ooh, what film would be fun that's that's what i would think like what film would be fun but challenging that would be the two questions i asked first so it'd be cool to be in something like um either shutter island or inception so that's like it plays with like multiple levels of the subconscious or like conscious, just the brain in general. Or traditionally play like you could go down the route of something like The Wizard of Oz. So it's kind of like a musical play movie. If I could sing well, that would have been a fun one. But alas, I can't sing confidently. So musicals are like out the window. If I had to pick a genre, maybe like sci-fi action kind of. So it's like so like Star Wars or Star Trek or like something that's like out there, sciencey make me seem smart kind of thing. <laughs> well, you, ne- you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Some casting director is probably going to be listening to this podcast and they'll say, that's our girl. And on that note, I think we'll say thank you very much, Iona. So you're going to be taking part in future podcasts, so people are going to hear you again and again. So we look forward to that. And thank you for being part of this interview. No worries. Thank you for interviewing me. It was a pleasure.